Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Misunderstood World podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Dylan. And this is our second episode, and this episode is talking about current affairs, what's going on in the news, and trying to talk about them and have a conversation about them. So this is the second episode in the week. So how yeah. we're going to format it is the one earlier on in the week, which will be released on a Monday. That one's going to be... a that that podcast is going to be where me and Dill talk about um, either a topic that we've chosen or we're going to have a guest on. And this second one in the week on a Friday is going to be the one that me and Dylan um, talk about current affairs and what's going on in the news and that. Isn't that right, Dill? Exactly. It won't be as long as the Life Stories one or the Topic one. It'll be a lot shorter. It'll only be between 45 minutes to an hour. But it's just a quick fix on your news and what's what's going on in the world. It is, it is. And one of the stories that I've kind of gravitated towards to talk about first, that's what's been going on recently, is the energy crisis. So what it was, is, um, Sky, Sky, News, Sky News released the article today saying, how worried should we be about the lights going out? A new and an innovative service to reduce consumer demand is being introduced by the national grid. But what will that mean for you? So basically what it's saying is, is there going to be a blackout this winter? And um, they're saying uh, there was a, there was panic at first, but then they're saying, no, it's not going to be now. And um, because the national grid, that is, it's not privatized, is it? It's by the state, isn't it? The national grid? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you have some energy companies which are private. Uh, do you mean like people like British Gas? Yeah, because that British Gas was owned by. It was yes, it, it was publicly owned, but now it's privatized. So our our energy is privatized. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, there you go then. So, ga- gas basically is the main concern, and it says here gas-fired power stations account for more than forty percent of the UK's electricity generation, while gas is also responsible for heating the vast majority of homes and most of the gas is coming from i think that's a a problem because most of the natural gas was coming from russia and i think that's the problem i think dill isn't it exactly yeah um a lot of the uh natural gas gas came from russia um i think russia helped um to power a lot of europe i know there were talks on um russia to have a guy a pipeline from russia to germany um and that's one of the reasons why russia does want to invade ukraine actually is because ukraine has got natural gas the crimea they, they have natural gas and oil which can help power the eu america and us, us here in great britain yeah it says natural gas supplies have been severely disrupted since the war forcing wholesale prices up and threatening much of the mm. continental Europe with shortages yeah. at, as most such as Germany have previously relied on gas from Russia. While the UK holds down its warmer months thanks to a mix of nuclear wind, North Sea gas output and inputs from Norway, Qatar and the US, we tend to lean more on the continent during winter to balance yeah. the gap between some supply and demand. Well, that that makes perfect sense, as we all know it gets colder in the winter, so we would need more power to keep us warm. And I'll tell you another thing as well, um, whether you agree with or not, Donald Trump was actually um, a big believer of America making its own gas and oil. That, that was one of his things, that it'll bring us jobs and we'd be less reliant of Russia. 
Um, obviously, it is very controversial because um, by using these products of gas and oil, you are contributing to the carbon footprint. So that's why many criti- criticize Trump saying that his um, methods of energy are reg- are um, quite uh, prehistoric. However, it's no good then if you then rely on, say, Russia to produce that energy using gas and oil and electric. Well, what's mad is, because it says here, it says but we have more gas than we actually need, the UK. And it says it's true. It says the UK have been exporting gas at record volume since the late spring to help EU nations fill their storage after yeah. Vladimir Putin turned off the taps. So that's mad. So the UK is actually exporting its own gas to help EU nations, which, you know, fair play. Like, you know, yes, you think quite, quite right. a lot of people are going to say, oh, that shouldn't be happening, but it depends how you look at it. It depends what you believe in, isn't it? Well, exactly. It's very similar to the... Um it's very similar to the um, situation with the COVID crisis where we're handing out vaccines. A lot of people make the arguments was we shouldn't be handing out the vaccines to smaller, um, less economic developed countries. Uh, we should keep them. But the argument that's, um, that prep, that the politicians were making, it was like, we've already made a lot anyway. We've made too many. And surely to conquer the virus, we need to go to those uh, um, countries that are less economic development, like countries in Africa and countries like India, um, who don't have access to as many COVID uh, vaccines as we do. And what's mad, I think what the problem is with the UK and gas is the UK doesn't, it doesn't know how to, it does know how to store gas. It just doesn't have a lot of gas storage. And because there's no way to store it, I mean, uh, the UK rely on imports in times of high demand, such as this winter coming. Only 70% of the British gas supplies last time around came from the North Sea in Norway. It meant that supplies via ship of LNG from the continent accounted for the rest. So... And then, you, you know, you move on, like, what's the, what are the main threats? You know, it's going to be the prolonged risk of a cold snap, you know? And also, exactly. like, the other threats are, like, unpla- unplanned power station outages as well. You know, if there's a power sta- a station outage, then, you know, if it's not planned for it, then it's going to affect the, com- the country, like, isn't it? Exactly. And as a society right now, we are much more highly... Um, reliant on technology like computers if we have start having random blackouts we can't do this work from home effectively anymore people have to go into the office and even then when people go and do business they can't use any of the emails or any of the company networks because that requires electric so we'll be in quite a we'll be in quite a problematic thing it could affect our economy because it'll affect how we produce stuff you know um, deliveries we made productions will will, will will slow down it'll also affect our health service if um the electric um if the electric cuts out through sur- you know people having surgeries uh, making sure sick people are okay it'll affect our broadcasting there are many many aspects of british life or life as a whole that it will affect it's very daunting you know and it isn't going to be good you know we're meant to be you know going into recession because of covid brexit and this war in ukraine well i i'll, I'll put another factor to it being these blackouts will definitely not help if anything it'll contribute to us going into the recession deeper yeah that's true but you know hopefully there won't be any blackouts hopefully and hopefully um, not. it says it says so what are the measures that are going to put, be put into place you know and what is a gas supply emergency so a gas supply emergency can be activated in stages if suppliers are unable to guarantee gas for homes and businesses 
it could mean that some customers, starting with the largest industrial consumers, will be asked to stop using gas for a temporary period. So who's right. who's who's asking these industrial consumers, or who's telling them? Is it the government? Like I don't know. Yes, it probably would be the government. I imagine it'd be very similar to the hose pipe ban, ban you have in some cities when in the summer. Like I know London has a hose pipe ban. I think Manchester had one. Anywhere with big cities because they were due to the droughts of all the waters in the dams being evaporated. So it'd be very similar to that. I imagine. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's just like I don't. That's I just didn't know they had the power to kind of control it all at once, which is quite mad, really. Yes, but you got to understand if in times of emergency when resources are low, who's who, who's going to look after it? If we if we keep waste not wasting energy, but if you keep using energy like there isn't like there isn't going to be if when sorry. If you keep using energy when there isn't when there when there when there isn't when there is a lack of resources, it will get used up. It will get used up ineffectively. If that makes sense, it will get used up all in one go. It, it's very much like um, have you ever been stuck on a desert island? You know those stories where they island or um, like stuck in a desert and you have very very um, small resources of food and water, and it has to then be split split among against the tribe and make sure everyone gets gets rationed and suitable size rations and that ration will have to last you and that is what we're facing here with if the blackouts go ahead is a lack of electric and a lack of energy which means it'll have to be rationed throughout society within britain do you reckon they'll um you know how obviously russia's invaded ukraine like we all know that yeah you reckon russia obviously knew what they were doing with like obviously they wanted ukraine because they think it's their land and whatever, but mm. you know they've they've kind of put the world at a standstill in a way because they knew they had all the gas and they knew yeah. all these other countries would be relying on them for gas. Absolutely. And in a way, it's kind it's 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 like oh yeah, I've got all the gas, I've got all the power. It's you know what I mean. Exactly, exactly. Well, in in times where there's um when there's a low resource on anything, if a country has the majority of the resources, even though that might 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 not be as much, they will have capital. They'll have it. Sorry, they'll have a monopoly over the rest of the country. Um, I think I think what I think the reason why Russia went to war initially was that there's always been infighting with Ukraine, with uh, areas of Ukraine people being pro-Russian. So that was the initial um, that was in the, the initial reason of going to war was we're going to free our uh, people um, in these pre in these uh, areas where they're um, identified as Russian. But however, it is clear that another reason for going to war was so they can get the energy. I mean, a few years ago they annexed Crimea, which was Ukrainian land and that had oil in it which would in turn um, increase Russia's sorry increase demand for Russia to uh, power the world with energy exactly so I'm just going to name out some um, facts about natural gas now okay so natural gas um, chiefly consists of methane which is CH4 but also contains other hydrocarbons such as ethane butane propane and Napata. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But um natural gas is odorless, colourless, and flammable. It's non-toxic and it's actually lighter than air. Utility companies add the smell of rotten eggs, a product called Mercapitan to make leaks easier to detect. Now that's quite interesting. That's actually Well, I think it's quite a smart way, isn't it? That's very clever, actually. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, I really didn't know that. Rotten eggs as well. 
Of yeah, course, absolutely. there had to be rotten eggs in there. <laughs> <laughs> also, natural gas is thought to have been discovered in the Middle East between 6,000 and 2,000 BC when lightning strikes ignited natural gas seeping from the ground. Imagine, be, imagine being around between 6,000 and 2,000 BC and you see the lightning first come and you're like, all right, that's the gods. That's the, we've, we've angered the gods here. That, yeah. And then next thing you know, the lightning hits natural gas and like a biggest, I don't know what happens, like a big explosion or something. They're like, um, like you can just imagine that people are thinking, oh, the gods are against us. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then the first pipelines were built in China in 500 BC. That's yeah. crazy. I didn't know they were able to manipulate the gas in 500 BC. That's 500 years before before Jesus. Yeah, before Christ. It's, it's, it's quite crazy that they that the Chinese would have the sort of technology to, to actually build up pipes. But same can be say a lot of things like the pyramids as well. That the extraordinary marks of engineering, you know. They are, they're unbelievable. But it says here they they made the they made them out of bamboo and then really? that bamboo moved the gas and uh, which used to evaporate salt brine. I suppose that makes perfect sense because in terms of a natural resource, bamboo is quite hard material. But if you ever watch how bamboo shoots grow, it's also quite flexible. So it'd be an ideal place to uh, transport gas because it's long. It can grow very quickly as well. And it, it also being strong and flexible, I would say it was a perfect um, fit to uh, uh, f- um, transport gas for the time. It is. It is. Still, but think about it. Like the Chinese, right, first to move it around. This gas that no one can see or no one can smell. How did yeah. they know? They they must like that's unbelievable to think that. It's amazing. Five hundred BC. Amazing. They recognized that this was natural gas. They probably obviously had another name for it, but they probably yeah. re- they were like, "All oh, right, we, we can use this." You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like how clever yeah, must yeah. they have been? You know, I, I do have a question though. Who were they supplying the gas to? Was it just to within its own country? Or were I they think, trading yeah, with other China countries? China has natural gas as well. A lot no, of natural Chi- gas. No, go on. I, I'm sure China has a lot of natural gas as well. No, but in 500 BC, were they just trading it among themselves or were they trading it with other countries as I'm well? sure it was just probably themselves. You know, okay. that, that would have been a big operation if they tried to, you know, export it in 500 BC. But yeah, also- well, you know, I, I mean, maybe they could have done it within, in Asia, you know, done it to India, Pakistan, uh, places like that, you know. Mm. So, naturally occurring natural gas was found in the USA in nineteen in sorry sixteen twenty six when French explorers discovered Native Americans igniting gases that were seeping into and around Lake Erie. Whoa, that's mad as well. Native Americans knew about it. Mm. They they must. It is amazing. It is amazing. All these early cultures were experimenting with natural gas. Well, you know the Romans had um, the Romans who who had uh, natural spas. They were the first people to create spas. To I think they had gas. Well, I think they and they had the sewage as well. You know, and that that was that that was quite extraordinary for the time in Europe. You know, to have that sort of technology. It was the it really was. And another another thing about natural gas is natural gas comes in two forms. It's either dry or wet. Dry natural gas is what's commonly referred to by the media and is used in heating and cooling systems 
and for electrical power generation. Dry natural gas is almost completely methane. The higher the methane concentration within the gas, the drier it is. I didn't know that. In comparison, wet natural gas consists of less than 85% methane and has a higher percentage of liquid natural gases such as ethane and butane. Learning quite a lot about natural gas here. Well, I think we are, we are learning a lot of information, and I think our listeners would agree with us. We're learning the importance of natural gas and the importance of what it contributes to our energy for it to run a country. Exactly. You know, when you think about it, we probably didn't really appreciate natural gas as much. I know we're starting to sound like natural gas nerds here. We're kind of bigging it up, but. Yeah, we are. It says here there are 11 million road vehicles worldwide that run on natural gas as a fuel. The gas is used in a compressed or liquefied state to power cars, buses, taxis, and trucks. I didn't know that either. That's quite extraordinary. And um, you got to understand is if we do if we do go into a if we do go into a recession of gas, those vehicles will get cut down quite a lot, which means deliveries of products will get um will have to drop which will in turn will, will, will hit our economy hit the hit our economy right back down which isn't a good thing at all it's not it's not still at all it's not a good thing and also um apparently natural gas apparently isn't just used for heating and cooking it can be used for everyday uh, products as well wouldn't be possible if we didn't have it so vinyl flooring carpeting uh and piping to aspirin, artificial limbs and heart valves, the sunglasses, the older and cell phones all come from natural gas. I don't know how they come from natural gas, but yeah, it says it comes from natural gas here, which is quite mad. It says natural gas produces less than half the CO2 emissions right, of coal when burned and far fewer other particulates and emissions. When burned to heat homes or for industrial uses, it releases 25 to 30% less CO2 than oil and 40 to 50% less than coal per unit of energy produced. See, that's mad. Like, that's, that's, some people will argue that's clean energy. Yeah, that is clean energy. Would. Some people will argue. And a lot of people will obviously want to use that more than what they want to use oil. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I suppose gas is sort of, I mean, it isn't because it does produce a bit of CO2. It's a very, there are similarities between gas and nuclear energy because nuclear energy is clean energy. It's just the problem is with the waste. Um, but it's exact, it's, they, they are very similar in terms of that they're both highly efficient uh, methods of producing energy and they are both low in, low, or lower than CO2 than, say, coal. Yeah. Exactly, though. Exactly. And it says natural gas had a tremendous growth as part of the global fuel mix. So natural gas today accounts for 21% of global global primary fuel consumed. That's a, that's mad. That's a lot of gas. Yeah. That, and current reserves are enough to support global conventional gas consumption for the next 60 years. Now, obviously, where I'm reading this off, uh, there wasn't a there wasn't a war in 2015 from when this no, started. That is true. Right? That is true. <laughs> you know what I mean. Fortunately, and there wasn't a pandemic, and there wasn't a referendum to leave the Euro- e- e- Europe either for our country. Unfortunately, that's mad. It says here the International Energy Agency suggests that unconventional unconventional oil and gas could account for as much as 50% of the undiscovered global reserves. So they're saying there's 50% more gas to be discovered, which if you take into account the 50% that's already been discovered, 
that's a lot of oil and gas. That is Absolutely. a lot of oil and gas. And obviously Absolutely. there's going to And, you know, people will say, oh, I don't want to... I don't want to go to renew. You know, there's going to be a lot of money to be made in the oil and gas industry, as you know, though. Absolutely, yes. And obviously, if there's 50% more profits to be made, people are still going to use them, no matter... Obviously, we say gas isn't as bad as oil, but no matter the costs on the environment, people will want to make those profits on that 50%, you know what I mean, though? Yes, absolutely. There'll be certain individuals who will want to make make more profit. They would increase their profit, increase their shareholders, increase, increase the value of their company. Um, however... An argument would be at what cost the planet's cost, which is a very valid argument. You know, you can't ignore that. Um, is it worth making more profit if we are then messing the planet up for the next generation? Exactly. Do you do you feel any responsibility for leaving this planet better for the next generation? That's a good question, Bill. Um, uh, yes, I I believe that we should uh, we should protect and preserve the planet to the best of our ability for the next generation for our kids, and in turn our kids should do that for their kids, and in turn their kids should do it for their kids. I think each generation um, has a, has a duty to um, ensure that there is enough enough of the earth is protected so the next generation can enjoy and prosper from it and live in it yeah well there you go spoken from the man himself there and the final bit of gas related uh, affairs i would like to talk about is every hour on the hour in the evenings a volcano erupts in front of the mgm mirage hotel in las vegas don't know if you knew that, but it's fueled by pina colada scented natural gas. Still, pina colada natural scented pina gas. Pina colada natural scented gas. Now that sounds wow. like that's coming from you because you love your pina coladas. Hell, doesn't love a pina colada, Bill. <laughs> you know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that that is extraordinary. That is, and um, you know, they said that um, in the World Cup finals when when um when they're boiling the kettle on at half time, that that sometimes puts the national grid in stuff because of everyone boiling their kettle at the same time and going to the toilets. That puts the national grid up as well, you know. That puts it under a bit of pressure. Yeah, it does. And don't... Um, when that happens, they have to rely on, like, you know, electric mountain and uh, clamberis and all yes, to yes. provide the energy. And that's probably... That, you know what? That, might, that will be a topic of conversation in in the future as well we'll talk i think that'd be quite a good topic to talk about the i the think that electric could be mountain. wavy on a go yeah i'm just gonna say electric mountain and clamberis you know i think i went i've been on two tours there and i could be getting this wrong but i think if they they provide six percent of wales's energy but like i said i could be wrong yeah, I yeah. think you might be right there, Bill. But that you are definitely worthy. I think Electric Mountain is definitely worthy for its own um, and the energy for the um, World Cup or any sport of sporting event is worthy for its own own um, episode, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Right, so let's move on from gas still. So there's a topic you want to talk about, isn't there? Well, I've got two topics in mind. Originally, I wanted to talk about quasi Quartens, uh, our Chancellor's U-turn. However... As as Bill and I discussed, um, there'll be and I think there'll be too much content to cover within an hour. So we'll make our own episode on that, or be part of something bigger. So I've I've come up with two topics first. So shall I tell you the first topic, Bill? Tell me away, please, though. 
Oh, excellent. So, as you know, we've had a new monarch, Charles III, which means we're going to have a new Prince of Wales, his son, William. However, um, there's been um, much uproar in, in Wales about keeping the Prince of Wales. Uh, so much so, um, the County of Gwynedd, which is where you are, Bill, in Bangor, um, have, vo- have voted to scrap the t- title Prince of Wales, which I find absolutely extraordinary. You know, um, I've never seen so much resentment against royal family in Britain. Uh, sorry, in Wales, uh, especially during this time, um, and I, I found it quite um, quite interesting, really, um, that they've actually voted. A whole council have voted to think that they should scrap the uh, title of Prince of Wales. Um, I made a few. I've made a few notes here. I'll just uh, pull them up here. So one of the councillors, uh, Elvid Win App. Elwin said the title of Prince of Wales has been the fawn of our fawn for uh, sorry has been the fawn in our nation for centuries. It reminds us that we are owned by the regiment rather than the citizens of our country, um, and that I find that absolutely fascinating. Now, um, if those of you who don't know Gwynedd, it is a uh, it is a council which is run by Plaid, which is the part of Wales, which is the Welsh Nationalist Party. Um, if you think of it regionally in terms of North Wales, um, areas where people speak Welsh mainly, that is where Plaid do generally quite well in the elections. So it's not surprising that people that the the uh, people uh, would have those sort of views towards the royal family, generally speaking. So I, I, I just find that quite, quite extraordinary. Uh, but what, what, what do you think, Bill? Because you actually you study in Bangor, um, you, you you study and live in Bangor. You spend quite a lot of time in Bangor. What what's your thoughts as someone who lives in Bangor? Well, I don't know if I can comment too much on the being Prince of Wales and whatever because I'm actually Irish. So, <laughs> but I there's a lot of people definitely around obviously the North Wales Anglesey area that don't believe that um, William should be the Prince of Wales. Mm, you yes. know and. Um, it's a hard one because you know who's going to stop him like no one really you know the royal family are the top aren't they and what they you know they give each other titles and all and then there's no one to take away those titles I'm pretty sure I'm sure they just give them out you know but so what about you though Dil? Do you, you know you are a Welshman do you think there yeah. should be a Welsh Prince of Wales or do you think it should be or are you more on favour of the monarchy deciding who was the Prince of Wales whether they're English or Welsh or whatever that's a good question Bill um, well okay it's quite interesting the last true Prince of Wales was through a man a Welsh rebel called Owen Glyndor he was the last true Prince of Wales Um now the Prince of Wales t- as a title has been very old. It's been since King Edward Edward the First. Um, basically, when Edward the First uh, took over Britain, um, or took took over Britain, Wales was part of the Kingdom of England. However, he felt that Wales needed a prince, so he gave it to his son Edward the Second, and that's where it, the the tradition came from of giving the heir to the throne the title of Prince of Wales. Because you see, traditionally in um, old old British history, uh, Wales wasn't classed as a kingdom, it was classed as a principality, which means a prince would actually rule over the country not the king um, in 15- Oh, is that where the term prince a polity comes from then? Yes, that's where the term principality comes from so it's it's quite, I, I personally think it's quite an outdated way of thinking, because when people say that, I, I make the argument of, well, because America doesn't have a king, um, South Africa doesn't have a king 
you know, they, they have presidents and they're the, they're their own country. Um, but in 1542, when uh, Henry VIII... Um, sort of uh, made a union between the Kingdom of Scotland and the Kingdom of England to make, you know, uh, the United British, United Kingdom and Great Britain Northern Ireland. Um, he basically, he basically did not recognise Wales as a country. He recognised it as a principality. So in terms of old English, English uh, history or English law, Wales is technically not a uh, country. It's technically classed as principality. However, you know, I do believe that is, you know, outdated. And obviously in 2011, it was recognised as a country. You know, I recognise it as a country. We do have our own identity. Uh, we do have... Uh, well, as recent, you know, as, as, recent as 2011. Pardon? You're saying as recent as 2011, it was only... Yes, yes, we were recognised as a, as a country because uh, we had a language um, and we had a, our own parliament, we have our own laws. Uh, but that the re- basically, there's a lot of arguments on why the Welsh dragon isn't on the flag and well, that was one of the reasons why, because we were in class as a country, we were class as a principality. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been having a quite a look on this subject of, um, you know, abolishing the title of Prince William. Now, a petition posted on change, change.org has gathered more than 28,000 signatures um, to remove the uh, Prince of Wales because they do feel that the title is outdated and it, it does have some, it does bear some sort of form of colonialism over the Welsh people. Um, now, now, look, if you're asking me, do I think Wales as a country should be independent of Britain. I do think no. Um, as for this title, though, however, I do think um, I do think it is a bit outdated. But it's not so much that Prince William himself will have rule over us. I do know. I am aware it's a title. However, I think it's what it symbolises was what people don't like. You know. I mean, I was thinking about this today in work, and I. I do believe that maybe the only way that uh, it, we could go forward is to get rid of the title Prince of Wales and have a new title like I don't know Duke of Carnarvon or Duke of Bangor or Duke of or Duke of Gwynedd or Duke of Conway. You know, make it a region of Wales rather than um, an actual of a whole uh, country. And I think that's really where the problem is because if you have a Scotland, you have the Duke of Edinburgh, um, and you also yeah, have the but Duke the Duke of Edinburgh of was Prince Philip, who was. Yes, yes, English. he was. Well, not English, yeah. but, you know, he's from Greece, but he was the Queen's husband, which he lived down in England, so... Yeah, and because he... Because, because um, obviously, when the Queen was... Uh, when she was coronated as Queen, um, he couldn't... He wouldn't be known as a king. He'd be known as his, you know, a prince, because a may. If 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 it if, the, if it's the queen who is you know the royal who 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 is the main person, it is not known as he he would not be known as a king. He'll be known as a duke, um, which was quite fascinating because at, at the time of the queen's coronation, there was problems of what would what would uh, what would. Um, Prince Philip be known as, and it was very much the same with Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. You know, it was it was very fascinating. But I do think, I mean, it's entirely up to the people of Wales. I think the fairest thing would be is if the people of Wales had a referendum on it on the matter, if they voted for it, because there are there are um, a lot of people in Wales who would argue that it's our duty to have a prince of Wales and have that contribution to the royal family. You know, there are there are unionists, you know, who would agree to that. So, you know, it depends whatever the people want to do. I would say the fairest thing would be to have a referendum. You know, we've got a new king now. 
and you you can change things. Sometimes these old institutions need changes. I mean, I'm not in favor. I I don't necessarily agree with getting rid of the royal family, but I think it does need to change and modernize. And I think this would be one one a good way to step forward in the right direction. You know. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. Yeah, so it's 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 just uh, it's just quite fa- fascinating, really. Um, the second, the second, the second one was, as you all know, is that President Biden has um, it has done a presidential pardon on anyone carrying cannabis, small amounts of cannabis for minor offenders, minor offensive, which is quite fascinating because if you look at America's, um, if you, historically, if you look at America's. Uh, role in the war of drugs they've always been a big uh, believer in it if you from the uh, from the uh, rich nixon administration and then it was increased by the ronald reagan uh, administration in the 1980s um so i've got i've just got here a few a few information i found so officials estimate about 6500 people with federal corrections with simple of of obsession of marijuana those people will now be benefited so they'll they're in other words the slates would be wiped clean so this is quite a progressive policy towards biden and i i as listeners will know i'm a big believer in uh, legalizing cannabis um so this would be a step in the right direction which i you know i find absolutely absolutely fa- fascinating um but you know, I, I think it's been t- I think it's been time for we we to to have that and have it re- recognised as um, you know a legal product. And this is a step forward. Now, cannabis isn't legalised federally in America, but it's like I said, it's a step closer to having it. Um, I think President Biden is continuing the le- legacy of President Obama because he was the president, and Biden at the time would have been a vice president who actually. Um, gave the states the option to legalize cannabis for recreational or medical uses. So, in a way, it was Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, who actually started to uh, use pot to um, to stop policies forward to let states decide, which I think has benefited America. It's increased the economy. Um, people could very easily take it now for medical purposes or recreational purposes, and and you know it's 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 a lot cheaper on the police forces now because they're not going around around arresting. Uh, people who are uh, you know who have possession of cannabis they can put towards bigger criminals like criminals who are started in like hard crap like violence or or um, or um, you know organized crime and in a lot of ways by legalizing cannabis you're taking the ha- you're taking drugs away from the hands of the criminals and putting the economy in the hands of people which i find quite extraordinary and quite a good thing you know bill yeah Dill, 100% and it is legal in some states in america um like yeah, LA. Well, it, yeah yeah in the vast majority of states it's legal uh, i think colorado colorado was the first state to legalize it and then i think washington legalized it but it's um the problem is it's not legalized federally so the problem is you have it most if you go to most weed dispensaries then you have to pay in cash because banks won't accept the money um with with the uh, weed being legalized uh, you now have a good opportunity to uh, clear uh, federal prisons 
of the people who use cannabis. Um, there weren't that many anyway. They were mainly in state prison, but but it will now clear it. It will now clear up the prisons, which will, which will uh, relieve the pressure on the federal on on the Americans' federal um, law, law law system, which I find extraordinary. And a lot of a lot of that money um, that could be freed up if you're legalizing cannabis federally, as you say, in America, could go into communities, better in communities, help Absolutely. people do this, do that. Um, I think you know a bit more about it than me, but in what ways could that money go into helping the whole of a country, though? Oh, all sorts of things. If you look about it for a country, that money could go, say, towards better drug education, teaching people about drugs. It could go towards addicts who, who, who are addicted to hard drugs like heroin, cocaine, or um, drugs like that, which actually do cause real problems for people's lives, stuff like that. That, that could happen. Because the argument was for cannabis to be um, illegal was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's, 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 it's like a starter drug. Once you take it, you move on to harder stuff. But, you know, I, I, I don't really believe that personally. I, I'm not a big believer in it. I think the reason why it is that is because it's already illegal. If that makes sense, if it was legalized, it wouldn't be the case. Um, but yeah, it could go into better drug education and help drug a- addicts out. It could also ha- it could also go towards um, economies which have been affected by um, by by uh, by drug crimes by drug crimes and stuff like that. It could um, it could even give. I've always thought it could give people who would say. Um, cannabis um cannabis dealers it could give them opportunities to set their own business up people who were say small time cannabis dealers or even uh, being arrested for cannabis possession opportunity to become um entrepreneurs which would in turn would help the economy because then they could put back in their economy making weed shops and and get better people employed and bring service to the country, bring service to the area. Then once they bring service to the area, the business will come and it will change the area, you know? It will put value into a local economy. Yeah, and um, it's very... I'm not saying drugs are safe, but what I'm saying is it's... It's you can't overdose on it, can you? Weed. You can't. You can't overdose on weed, but it's... You'd have to have... I think it's something like... You'd have to smoke something like eighteen joints at once. I, I remember watching something on it, or like twenty joints at once. But you wouldn't do it, do you know. It, but the same could be said for alcohol, you know. So yeah, you can overdose on weed, but you can also overdose on alcohol. But you, you know, no one would ever, you know, do that. Um, but it's not like say drugs like say cocaine, where you know it, you can take a load at once and it could kill you, give you an instant heart attack. Um, so it is a definitely a lot safer drug, and you know you have people like uh, Michael Phelps who are athletes taking it. So really, what I'm trying to say is, I think now the Biden administration are taking a much more progressive and liberal view of weed. To say hey, it's not that bad, you know. It, it wasn't as bad as what we thought. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, even though this report is uh, praising uh, Joe Biden for it, he wasn't always like that. In fact, um, I'll uh, just bring up a fact here. Um, in 1994, um, President Biden, Biden helped pass the bill 
help pass the bill, which would which would which would strength which would strength which would be hard on on minor drug users, uh, cannabis drug users, and um, and drug enfor- enforcement, and it would open them up to the free strike rule. Now, the free strike rule is a rule of you get a free it's a baseball turbo, so you get free strikes and you we we put you back in prison for life. And he actually helped co-sponsor that bill, passed it through the Senate, so it became policy nine ninety four. So in a way, he's praised for being this uh, hero. And yes, okay, he has done the right thing, but he did initially he did initially sign that bill. Um, he did initially sign that bill to make it harder for drug users, uh, people who use marijuana. However, you do got to understand is when he was uh, in the Senate, it, it was a different time. He has moved with the party. The Democratic Party then were much more right wing than they are now. They, they weren't as um, for, they were they weren't as much outward looking as they are now. However, um, you know I understand Bill Clinton was in charge, and very similar to a lot of centre left politicians at the time, he used third way economics or third way policy. They were tough tough on crime, so and tough on the causes of crime. So it really it's good to see that he has moved with his party and he has he has in fact uh, he has in fact decided to uh, legalize it because he, he he kind of shares a view as i do that keeping weed illegal would be a thing a thing of a pre-strike past really yeah and what really fascinates me is the legalization of weed frees up so much police time and i'm just gonna be honest like that's that's very logical to me and it's, yeah, actually, it's so logical because that police time can go into dealing with a lot more serious matters, if you know what I mean, though. Of course, of course, of course it can. We, we discussed this, like, you know, cry, like like murders and stuff like that and rape. And I'll tell you another thing is I've just, I've just found here, recreational marijuana is already legal in 19 states and, in, and Washington, D.C. Because uh, for listeners who don't know, Washington, D.C. isn't a state. Uh, it's a district of Columbia. So it's not actually a uh, class as an American state. Um, and, it's, and, it, and it's legal in... It's medically used in le- and is legal in 37 states and three U.S. territories, which is um, a ter- a t- for those who don't know, a territory in America would be like is like Grenada. So these are islands off America and Puerto Rico. So they're not actually countries of America, but they're um, they're just territories of of America. If that makes sense, it's very similar to the Falkland Islands. Do you think? Do you think America's becoming a lot more progressive as a society? Do you think? Um, do you think a lot more right-minded individuals are going to start leading that country now? Because there's a lot of people that think America's kind of gone downhill. But you know, you hear stuff like this, and you're like, "Oh, fair enough." What's your opinion, Dil? Do you think? Of, do you think America's uh, gone as downhill? a whole? I would say. Yo, sorry. As a whole, I would say we're Britain is much more progressive than America. You know, we have a health service. Uh, we uh, we have um, we're much more progressive and forward looking. We have uh, we have the, we have open university, which is basically free university, um, or it's university at very cheap. It's education at high level, at, uh, very cheaply uh, cheap. So it's not as expensive. Um, so I'd say we're avoiding much more forward looking, and I think America has always struggled against what well, the Scandinavian and the, the countries in Europe with their forward thinking, you know. Um, I think Scandinavia has free university and America doesn't have that. 
I um, also think, you know, there are a lot of things along America is still sort of, um, even though it's meant to be the new world, it still has very strong traditional religious principles in some cases, not all, but in some states, religion is still plays a big part in policymaking. Um, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, looking from a factual point of view, but if a country chooses to um, uh, make laws based off, say, more religion rather than say um, what society is, it will it will stay. You know, it will stay back. You know, it will it will be very difficult for that country to progress and look, and look outwards rather than looking in. If that makes sense, it does make sense. Yeah, because a lot a lot of the American states are really religious states, aren't they? And, yes, um, yes. Some because they're religious states, they have uh, is it senators who run the state. Is it what are they called? No, it's um, it's governors who governors who are governors. Those governors are also um, most likely very religious. So therefore, you know, if something like you say progressive does come about, they're kind of um, doesn't don't really want to go for it as much as say like the progressive stage, like you say. It it, it depends on a lot of people. I mean, you you can still be religious and progressive. Um, I think you can to a certain degree. I don't think you can be fully progressive if you're deeply religious. That's no, my opinion. I mean, I mean, you know, Kennedy was the first Catholic president. What he said was he would govern as secular society because he believed that was the only way for, way for America to be free. I do believe you can be religious. Religion, you can still be sort of religious and progressive. Um, I think the current Pope is a good example of that. You know, he's in charge of a very old institution, and he's uh, he's he's he he's quite progressive. You know, I I I think he's much more pro towards gay marriage and subjects in the past were considered quite controversial for the Catholic Church. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, you know, it just depends on the person. They could be deeply religious and progressive, or they could be non-religious and not progressive. You're right. You know. It just depends. So, but, but yeah, I think that's, I think we're just. No, I was just going to say, I think we've covered three topics now, haven't we? What we were going to talk about. No, I, I had to finish my point there, Bill. Um, okay, back to who are in charge of state. It's generally governors and the state legislators. So it, de- it depends on the people. You know, you you can vote for your state. You you vote for your people. They're entirely up to it because the way America's built up is a federalized system. So states do have much more power. Than say the United States do have a do as a whole, um, so I, I I think it's uh, quite fascinating, really. But like I said, it depends on the people, it depends on the cultures, the beliefs. Um, it, it 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 does it does depend. It does indeed. It does indeed, my friend. Right, sure. I think uh, we're pretty much about nearly time to wrap this up. Yeah, Thank I think so. Three topics. Um, just want to thank you, Dill, again Thanks, for being Bill. here on the Misunderstood World podcast. Have you got anything else to add, Dill, before we wrap this up? Um, no, that's it, really. Do you have anything else you'd like to to through? Maybe a quick overview. Quick overview. Uh, Dylan Davis should be the next Prince of Wales. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. About that. <laughs> I can see you standing there, Carnarvon Castle, uh, on horseback. He's got a shield in one hand, got a sword in the other hand. I can see. It. Oh, maybe I don't. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Thanks everyone for listening, and um, we'll see you next Thank time. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. Bye.